Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Unknown Christian Soldiers. This is our second podcast. <clears throat> I was really thinking hard about what direction I wanted to take this one. And I wanted to talk about persecution. Not necessarily in America, because obviously here in America, there is some persecution, but it's not like what you see in other countries. I've, I've been to other countries, and I can tell you firsthand, um, it, it's different over there than it is here. It's, it's not what you think. Before we get too deep into this, let's, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Father God, I pray your forgiveness for my sins. I pray your understanding of my failings, Father, and I pray your blessing on what we're about to do here, Father. Help it mean something not just for me, but those who are listening to, Father. In your son's name I pray, amen. All right. <clears throat> Allergies are getting to me a little bit today, so you may hear me drinking some water, kind of coughing a little bit. I apologize, but we're going to soldier on. So, first up, Let's talk about the fact that America is actually a place where a lot of missionaries get sent from other countries. Partially because it is safe for Christianity to be spread here for now, for the most part. Uh, also because we're a place that's in need of it. I mean, let's, let's be honest. You can look around and see everything around you screams out that we were once a Christian nation and, and we're sliding now, that's not to say we can't come back from it. There's not a lot of efforts to change that. But as of right now, we're, uh, we're not looking too hot. So that is something that we as Christians need to work on. You know, go out there spreading the gospel, letting people understand that we're not going to put up with certain things. You know, Those are the ways that we go out there and, and change that. Let's talk about the 10 worst places to be a missionary. Number one, North Korea. In North Korea, it's illegal to be a Christian or take part in any Christian activities. Uh, if any member of your family is found to possess or own a Bible, they can imprison three generations of family members for that. And there's an estimated 70,000 Christians held in labor camps over there. That's huge. That's a big deal, especially all the media hype over North Korea. And no one really mentions anything about that. Perhaps no one knows. I don't know. But at the end of the day, that's significant. Uh, Somalia, you know, we just heard about some gas attacks. And I know there's a lot of fake news back and forth on both sides about uh, certain things involved in it. I don't know the truth. I don't know if we ever will. But at the end of the day, though, Somalia is the number two worst place for a missionary to go. It says Christianity associated with oppression from European colonial powers. That's how they view Christianity over there in Somalia. And it's suggested that the death penalty comes to anyone who is known to be a Christian. And anti-Christian violence inflicted by militant groups who operate freely in the absence of an effective government. So, because that government is not an effective entity over there. These militant groups kind of run things in their sectors. And obviously, there's a lot of anti-Christian violence in those areas. Syria, another place there's been some attacks lately. And again, a lot of back and forth about the government, etc. All right. Um, not going to get involved in that. 
But number three place for Christians to be threatened. It says tens of thousands of Christians displaced by threats of violence. City of Homs, H-O-M-S, nearly cleared of 50 to 60,000 Christians. And many churches over there have been bombed. Um, this is not a place you want to be, probably period, uh, but much less as a Christian over there. I mean, that's, that's a very dangerous environment to be in. Uh, number four, Iraq. Uh, Christians increasingly persecuted since the first Gulf War. And there's been a big surge of kidnapping since the, the second war or the Operation Iraqi Freedom started back in 2003. And the Christian population is at a 25% level, or it's 25% of the 1999 level, which means um, yeah, ever since that first Gulf War when Christians began persecuted, they've dropped all the way down to 25% of the level that they were before. Uh, Afghanistan, it's, it says the government threatens the death penalty. Now, when I was in Afghanistan, that's not something we really talked about or heard about. Um, I believe it was Karzai was the one who was elected as the, the first leader since we started back, uh, started their government back. And uh, this wasn't something that was talked about. So this is, this is news to me right now. But it says Christians number 1,200 in the entire country with no church buildings. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy to me that that's, that's the case over there. Uh, one thing I do find interesting is the ways that people are getting in to these countries to spread the gospel. Um, very interesting. In fact, that one way is, is in North Korea and some other places is they start businesses in these areas. Uh, they'll start a business of some sort that's a front for missionary groups to actually go in there and spread the gospel from there. I found that to be fascinating that that's been going on since apparently the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. That's, that's nothing new, yet it's something that's not really widely known. So I found that to be very, it's very ingenious on the part of these, these missionary groups to go in there. I believe one of them was said to have been a, a tour group there in North Korea. I know North Korea is trying to become a place of tourism. And so it makes sense for them to start a tour group company there. Then they can bring in missionaries. But again, it's still very, very dangerous. Uh, I read an article recently called Frontline Korean Missionaries Risk Death to Bring the Gospel to North Korea. It's by Joshua Gill. It's a pretty decent article. Fairly short, but it's a pretty good article. Uh, but it says missionary groups along the border with China and South Korea will send in missionaries there into North Korea. And sometimes they don't come back. They really don't have any way of tracking them because once they cross that border... You know, it's, it's hard for them to come back over, and it's difficult to get communication through, so it's very, very difficult for them to know what happens, and, and oftentimes they don't return. Um, but there's a guy over there uh, named Pastor Han who helps orchestrate a lot of the training and a lot of the uh, send-overs, you know, the border crossings, etc., to infiltrate there into North Korea to spread the gospel. And he is actually on North Korea's most wanted list for that. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he has a price on his head right now. So these people out there are risking a lot. They are risking so much to go out there and spread the gospel. And it's a couple of these places, especially North Korea and Afghanistan, it's, it's very surprising to me. Uh, there was a time, you know, this is, of course, in the 60s when Afghanistan was as modern as any place else. I mean, there were discos and miniskirts and freedom of religion uh, for the most part. Um, you know, North Korea, many years ago, was very similar to that. 
you know, it was it was much more open and free. It was his leadership changed everything. I mean, if you look at Afghanistan, it's when Russia invaded Afghanistan, and everything kind of changed from there. You know, the Islamic groups took over. You know, it became a very very different place after that, and and so a lot of that again boils down to leadership. And the same thing in North Korea, you know, as leadership was handed down and handed down, it, it transformed it into a completely different place than what it once was. And that's why you don't see what used to be there. It's not the same uh, availability of freedom of religion as they once had there. And while that, while that's sad, and it's, it's even upsetting, uh, we're still finding ways to get in there and still spread the gospel and still get it in there. And it's not the most ideal circumstances or conditions, but you have people willing to go out there and, and, and die to be able to spread the gospel. And we're sitting here in America and we're afraid to tell the person on the bus next to us about Jesus because they might think bad of us. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to. I mean, let's just be very, very honest about it. That's really what it boils down to is the fact that uh, that person might not like me. Well, most people aren't going to like you. You know, I've said this before. You know, Christ said that if they hated me, of course, I'm paraphrasing the verse here, but if they hated me, what will they think of you? You know, it's the same thing here. If, if someone is going to reject the gospel, they're going to reject Christ, they're going to reject you for trying to say it to him, okay? That was predicted in the Bible. So that's almost to be expected. I mean, that's something you're going to face out there. That's something you can't let get you down because if you have 10 people that don't want to hear a word you have to say, you're still going to find that one person that does, that wants to listen, that's open to the truth, that wants to hear it. And that's where it comes in. It, it comes down to the fact that, yeah, you're going to have some bad times with some people, and yeah, you're going to get some bad reactions. But push through, continue on, and you will find the people, that fertile soil to plant that seed in, that's ready, willing, and able to accept it for what it is. Um, you can never talk someone in to being a Christian. You can never make someone become a Christian. That's not possible for you. It, it's a 100% not. Uh, at the end of the day, God puts it upon their heart. God puts that impression on them. God's the one who leads them down there. The Holy Spirit's the one who leads them down that path. And at the end of the day, it's up to them to accept that. No matter what you do, no matter how to pushing, prodding, trying, and, and begging them to say this prayer and all this other stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, nothing you do is going to make that difference. It's always going to be up to them. It's always going to be up to the Holy Spirit. And it's always going to be up to God to lead them there. You're just the tool that God uses to get the word to them. At that point, it's out of your hands. You can't do anything else about it. All we can do is pray that God helps us to make good decisions, helps us to stay calm under pressure, and helps us to be brave when those times come when we can make those moments of sharing. And hope that God helps us to stay strong so we don't become weak. You don't want to lose your witness because you had moments of weakness. Uh, and don't get me wrong, the Bible's full of stories of redemption. Um, even, even Saul was there. 
you know, when the apostles were being persecuted. And it wasn't until God changed him and he took on the name Paul that he became one of, if not the greatest, of all the apostles. So again, he was doing things that weren't further in the kingdom. He was he was he thought he was. I mean he was a he was Jewish, he was he was a leader in his community, and he thought he was doing the right thing before God and you know he was killing Christians. He he rebelled and he thought he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do until he was shown different, you know, and so he made some mistakes. He, he didn't do the right things there, but God showed him a different path, and he went on to become an absolutely amazing person for the kingdom. So don't feel like because you make a mistake, you do something that's wrong or something that's bad, don't feel like, that's it, it's over. And I'm the first person to admit that I'm just as bad about stuff like that. Uh, you know, and I've, I've, I've told this story to people before. You know, as a teenager in my church, I would see all these men in the church that seemed like they were perfect all of them were great. They were perfect. They never struggled, never sinned, never had problems. And it just made me give up. It made me quit. You know, it wasn't until I went to a Promise Keepers rally and I, some of these church guys were with me and we were talking and going through things. And, and they told me, you know, look, I struggle with stuff just like you do. You know, he said, yeah, I go to church and I put my best foot forward. I put my best face on because that's what we want to do before God when we go there to worship him. He said, but... You have to have a moment of reality where you understand and you see that we're human beings and we'll never become sin-free, but our goal is to sin less and our goal is to have God transform us in our lives because if we could live a sin-free life, we wouldn't need a Savior. If you could go out there and live a life that was sin-free like Christ did, you wouldn't need a Savior because you would have a sinless life and you would be accepted into heaven on your own merit, but we can't do it on our own. And that's where a lot of Christians, including myself in the past, have had issues with. I tried to do it, am I, am I good enough? Am I doing this enough? Am I am I going out there and teaching enough and believing enough? Did I choose the wrong or right moment to do this or that? And that's, yes, God wants us, when those moments are presented to us to make the right decision. Yes, God wants us to go out there and try and live the way he wants us to. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we, we're told to try and keep the commandments. But at the same time, though, God knows we're not perfect. Christ knows we're not perfect. That's why he had to come as God to become a man, to live a perfect life, be crucified, defeat death and hell itself, and rise again on the third day. Because we couldn't live perfect lives, he had to do that for us. And that's what it really boils down to. That's the essence of Christianity, is the fact that men are sinful creatures. And we can't stop sinning. That's who we are. I know we all want to beat ourselves. Well, not everyone, but a lot of us want to beat ourselves up about that. You know, And there's moments where you should have those those deep thoughts and those meditations about, hey, I screwed up here and I screwed up there. I need, I need to do things to work on that. But I also need to pray about that. I also need to go before God and say, yes, God, I'm going to do my best to work on this, but I can't do it by myself. I'm going to need your help. Again, if I could do this by myself and I could not sin by myself, I would need a Savior. But we can't do it by ourselves, so we do. And he's not just your Savior, he's your Lord at that point when you accept him 
And a lot of people want a Savior. They don't want a Lord. They want a Savior. They want to be able to go out there and show up to church on Sunday and sing praises and have their salvation and walk out that door and live any way they want to. And I have those times. I make those mistakes too. Don't think I'm throwing somebody on the bus here because I do it too. All right? I'm trying real hard to change. I'm trying real hard to make Christ more than my Savior. I'm trying to make him my king and my Lord too. And that's something that we have to work towards and and pray about. No matter how much we sit here and think we can do it on our own, again, we can't. You got to be prayer warriors out there. You got to pray. You got to ask God to bring you closer and to show you those moments and to give you those chances to go out there and, and, and come closer to him so he can draw you in. And another thing I want to talk about here, I, I don't have a lot of time. I don't want to, this to go too long. We'll try to keep it about a half hour. We want to talk about some things that are different between the world and the Bible or what God wants. I'm not going to go and do too many specifics. We're going to talk about generalities here. But one, one overlying thing I want you to see right off the bat or understand right off the bat. God never changes. People do. God never changes. Society does. I'm going to say that one more time. God never changes. People do. God doesn't change. Society does. And that's where we have to have an understanding that just because the culture is shifting, just because the culture says this is okay, just because this culture says don't worry about that or this, that, and the other, just because the culture says that doesn't mean that it's right in the sight of God. I'm going to upset some people right now, but I'm going to tell the truth. Homosexuality and homosexual marriage. It's okay by today's standards, but it's wrong on the side of God. Now, that is not to say we're going to sit there and say this person's a homosexual and I'm going to condemn them and they're going to hell. Well, guess what? The Bible also says if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. You know, Christ talked about trying to find the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got a plank in your own eye. You know, it's, it's obviously that's, that's a metaphor showing that, hey, you're trying to find this sin in, in this person's life. When you got a lot of sin in your own, you need, to, you need to address that first, brother, before you go on and start looking at this other person's sin. And that's the truth. So I'm going to tell you flat out right now, I'm not going to go pass judgment on somebody because I got a lot of things I'm still working on and God's still working on me. Now I can go and I can talk to them about what the truth is, but it's not my place to pass a judgment on them. There are certain times for that, and it's in the Bible. It talks about it in there. You know, that whole verse, judge lest not ye be judged. Well, that's, that's one verse out of a chapter that talks about some very specific things in the church, about how to address those issues in the church. I'm not going to give that right this minute, but have an understanding that while it's your place to lovingly tell someone the truth, oftentimes it's not your place to judge them unless there's some very specific circumstances, especially non-believers. It is not your place at all to judge non-believers. That's specifically what that verse is really talking about, is judge, lest not you be judged. There's other verses that talk about, you know, what did you know before you got saved? You know, again, paraphrasing these verses here. Um, you know, you may know what the Bible says, and yet you still do wrong things. You know, these people who don't know what the Bible says or are doing wrong, how much less do they know about what they're doing? 
you know, it's the same thing. We have to look at that and say, all right, this person, yeah, they're making some mistakes, but do they really know? And there are certain things that fall under what would naturally be considered wrong or immoral. Obviously murder, rape, etc. Those are things that we can all agree, hey, that's just good morals, that's good character, that's good sense for your common person to know that that's not right. All right? But there are some things that may not necessarily fall into that, such as, you know, we'll say homosexuality, or there are some cultures where stealing can be considered okay. Um, you know, we can even look back at, we'll say like the Spartan culture. You know, part of their training when they were young men was to be able to go around the city and steal food so they didn't starve. That was part of their culture, was training. It was training and teaching them to steal so they could survive in battle. Now, don't get me wrong, that's a whole different set of circumstances. But at the same time, though, stealing's wrong. It is. We don't, we don't have this in America. We don't have some type of Spartan training in America. It's not a cultural thing here, but it was in those times. So there have been times throughout history, there have been moments throughout history where things like this have occurred, where certain sins may have been almost cultural or institutional. But other things were understood to be wrong, again, such as rape and murder. So we have to have an understanding that there may be people out there who don't see certain things as wrong or certain things as sin. You know, if you've always been taught your whole life that Islam is the way and all other religions are, are, are infidels and they need to be dealt with, then that's what you're going to believe because you've been taught that your whole life. Now, if you are showed the gospel, if you are showed the light, and you still refuse to believe that's a different story. But until that moment comes, you are ignorant of the facts. That person is ignorant of the truth, and you can't pass a judgment on that person that way until they've been shown the light and shown the truth, and that's, that's reality. And other things we want to look at. Let's look at our everyday stuff. Let's look at the TV shows we watch. Let's be honest, the TV shows we have on now 50 years ago would not have been acceptable. I mean, a lot of them, there's no way that would have passed the ratings. But it's, it's a ratcheting effect is what it boils down to. You know, um, society allows this little thing. Well, it's, it wasn't acceptable, but, you know, it's little. We'll let this little thing slide. So now that's no longer a big deal. That's the new norm. We'll let this one curse word slide on TV. Now, instead of that one curse word being a little bit of a shock, but okay, but you know, well, okay, it's there. We'll deal with it. Now, everything's ratcheted up. Now, that's the new norm. Well, now we'll allow these, these two other curse words on TV. And a little bit of a shock. Wow, I can't believe that's happening. But you know what? It's there. I guess we'll deal with it. And now, boom, ratcheted up again. That's your new norm now. That's no longer a shock. That's your new norm. And guess what? Simulated sex scene on TV. The next thing goes up. The next thing, all of a sudden, you just have this ratcheting effect where the shot value goes away and that becomes the new norm. It's just a slow ratcheting over time of higher and higher and higher until we get to the point where we could watch a show from 50 years ago and watch a show from now and they're not even close. The values aren't the same. The content's not the same. Uh, it's just... I can't believe we were that far off or that far different. And I know, I know I'm going to hear it from Sons of Anarchy and Game of Thrones fans and all this other stuff. You know, I just, I get that. 
I understand it. It's tough. But God never changes. People do. God doesn't change. Society does. And I'll be, again, I'll throw myself under the bus and say, you know, there's some shows that I, I used to like to watch and that I shouldn't. And maybe there's some shows now that I, I may watch. I try to watch fairly good ones. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but I'll try to watch good ones when I do. But maybe I need to go reevaluate myself. Maybe I need to evaluate what I'm doing, what I'm looking at, what I'm seeing. Maybe those are things I need to step back and do. So don't ever feel like I'm trying to tell people all this stuff and I'm not abiding by this word or I'm, I'm not seeing this in myself because I am. And I wouldn't ask someone to go do something I wouldn't do. Um, but going back to, again to the missionaries, we got missionaries out there willing to die, literally willing to cross into a, an area they've never been or know nothing about and willing to be tortured or killed and never to return or see their families or friends again. And we can't turn off the TV show we're watching right now. We can't step away from the pornography that's on the computer. And I'm a man. I'll, I'll be the first to admit, especially as a teenager, you know, I had big balls of lust. As a man, you know, that kind of stuff can be hard. You know, it's a temptation to sit there and have access to all that stuff at your fingertips. And I know I'm not the only one. Statistics show millions upon millions of men struggle with lust, struggle with pornography addiction. And it's because it is so readily accessible at our fingertips. And again, years ago, that would not have been acceptable to have access to that. But now it is because the ratcheting effect and because God never changes, but people do. It's hard for me to believe that we're not living in the last days at this point mostly because of the access to the absolute filth that we have, um, the events that are occurring around the world. When I say the last days, don't take me wrong. I don't mean something's happening tomorrow. You know, it may be my children's children's time. The last days in God's time may be, may last 300 years. You know, we don't know. Um, I know there's some timelines for it in the Bible, but there's certain events that have to occur before all those events occur in a chain reaction. And there's a lot of debate, and I know people get on there and, and they'll quote scripture and they'll talk about these events and that event. And, and then this other person will quote those same scriptures and talk about some other events and all this other stuff. Look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we want to read prophecies. We want to know about them. And because that is something that can prepare you to see what can happen and what is coming in the future. But it's not something you want to get so wrapped up into that you're sitting there trying to predict every little thing and trying to make things fit that. Okay, that's, that's meat and potatoes. When you first start off, start off with the beginning and the Gospels. Start off with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start off with Genesis and Exodus and Acts. Those are the things you want to start into. Okay, that's mother's milk. When you're a new Christian, especially start off with mother. Start the Gospels and with Genesis. All right? Start off with mother's milk. Revelation is meat and potatoes. That's something you work your way up to. Revelation is something that seasoned Christians, well-read Christians, have a hard time digesting and processing. It's some deep stuff in there. And I don't care who you are or what you say, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot of symbolism. And a lot of it is revealed in there, but there's a lot of it that isn't 100% clear. So don't get wrapped up in that. Don't get wrapped up in date predicting or things of that nature. Okay? 
God will reveal it in his time and we'll see it. All right. So again, this is a fairly short episode. I'm not going to do a whole lot with it, but, um, due to the nature of my regular, regular job, I'm on call a lot. And so things can be a little sporadic. I'm hoping to smooth that out pretty soon, get some better content and get something that's going to be a little bit more, a regular, a little bit better steady, maybe, uh, on a specific day each week, or maybe even a couple of times a week. But until I, I get that all that straightened out and worked out, um, I will get y'all at least once a week. I'll get something out there. I can't guarantee what day in the meantime, but, uh, if y'all do have questions, please get on there, send them in. I'd love to answer questions. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to work with you. So let's go ahead and have a closing prayer. Father God, I pray right now. I pray a pouring out of your spirit onto these listeners, onto myself and onto this podcast. And I pray that you'll keep it going, if nothing else for me, to help keep me accountable, to help keep me where I need to be with you, God. I hope people listening will use this as a way to keep themselves accountable as well. And let us always stay humble and remember that it's not about us. It's about you. It's about your son. It's about him. And I pray for safety for those missionaries that are overseas right now doing brave and incredible things. And I know a lot of that's through you and the Holy Spirit strengthening them to go out there and do that. And I know they are doing great and wonderful things in your name. And I hope someday you'll give us all the courage, the courage that they have to go forth and do those things, Father. In your son's heavenly name I pray, amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a great morning, evening, night, whatever it is when you're listening to this. And uh, God bless you.